This is G.I. Joburg episode 93. I'm Singapore Steve, and we have a full team in tonight. Introduce yourselves, gents. Mega Marines Paul's in the house, yo. Robert is, is standing by. <laughs> Lily's here too. There's another gent. Cujo <laughs> <laughs> is on the west coast. Guys. <laughs> and I say to thee, democracy is not dead. Do not be a machine man with a machine heart, but join us for this conversation. If I sound a little subdued in this conversation, it's not because I'm a zombie. It's because I am tiptoeing through my girlfriend's parents' house at three in the morning. <laughs> Steve's in deep cover. It's when the need to release an episode outweighs the need for sleep. But I just don't want to wake anyone else up. So, yeah. I'm enticing you with my dulcet tones. <laughs> Episode 93 is entitled Choose Your Own Adventure 90s Subteam Edition. We wanted to talk about the 90s subteams, but do it in a slightly more creative way than a straight up discussion. So, in the same flavor that we attempted on a previous episode, we've devised a choose-your-own-adventure-type narrative which we're going to unfold for each other. This is basically just G.I. Joburg playing with itself. But we hope you, the listener, enjoys these stories that we weave. We have no idea how they're going to end up, which is pretty much like every episode of G.I. Joburg, come to think of it. That's quite true. I think we end up not knowing what we're doing, and we just say a bunch of words, and then people like it. So, that's kind of awesome. But does anyone have anything new they'd like to talk about straight up front, off the bat? I know I do. I do too. (laughs) Seems like everyone's excited about new stuff. I think... Paul, tell us. I think I know what yours is, so I'm going to start with one of mine, which is quite a small thing. But a very happy thing. I had the distinct privilege of receiving um, a care package from my good friend, Jim Godfrey. Uh, He just had some stuff lying around that he wanted to throw him away. Anyway, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I got a Cobra Pogo. And I got to say, that thing is amazing. I I know we've spoken about it in a few episodes before, and we've discussed how hokey it is. But when it's actually in hand and you apply a bit of an adult brain to it, it's actually not that dangerous. It's it's quite a plausible craft in, in itself. And, and I just thought, oh, cool. I just love hokey G.I. Joe vehicles. Uh, this would be great for my collection because I love the video game and it's in the video game as well. Uh, but when I actually got it in my hand and I started putting uh, Cobra Troopers in there and like G.I. Joe's in there and started playing around with it, Wow, it's it's a great toy, and it, and it offers a lot in the, in terms of play pattern. So uh, I got one of those, and I'm super-duper happy about it. And there's something about figures from, like, the sort of earlier 80s. Uh, well, I think the Pogo is mid-80s, but anyway. There's just, like, a design aesthetic to them that I just find is a lot more crisp than some of the, uh, some of the later releases, and I find this especially in the smaller vehicles, uh, like the Pogo. Um, so if you guys don't have one, get one, check it out, but get the original if you can, because I'm not sure if the mold has been gimped for the Star Brigade version. And then another small thing I got, which I've 
been wanting for a while, just never really pulled the trigger on it, just never found a good deal on it. Jim also had a, and this was a surprise in the parcel as well, he had a water moccasin, a cobra water moccasin lying around, which he just uh, sent my way, uh, which is, I mean, you guys, you know the water moccasin, it's, it's a boat, right? But it's a very cool boat. And I got to say, the Tiger Force representation of that is not the best. Uh, the water moccasins back, um, it's got these back, these rear engine covers, and they fit a lot more snug. They're, they're more form-fitting than the Tiger Force versions. Uh, I don't know if maybe something happened to the mold somewhere along the line, but the Tiger Force version of that boat has got a few issues, whereas the original water moccasin is too sweet. And once again, if you haven't got it, Get yourselves one. I I find uh, I find that I ha- now that I have it in my collection, I can't understand why I never had one before. But I am missing a copperhead. I do need to get my hands on a copperhead now. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those. But I'm gonna save it for my unboxing because there's, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that came in that unboxing that I'd like to share next week. So keep an eye open. If you guys get a chance, uh, catch my unboxing video on the YouTube's. It should be out by now by the time this episode ends. Huh. Is that a challenge? No, 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 not at all. It's just that I'm just letting you know. It's actually a promise <laughs> to you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube videos, if you do happen to monitor our channel, you would know all too well that Steve got a Monster Blaster APC in the flesh yeah. in Singapore at a toy market. And... It's ironic because I always knew that this is a toy that I would purchase in the flesh. To the extent that I never, ever hit an eBay search for the Monster Blaster APC. Because I knew that I would be fated with crossing its path one day. Why did I know that? Because I knew that this toy reached South Africa. A friend of mine had the Monster Blaster APC. And there's something about a toy that you actually have first-hand knowledge of. You're like, yeah, you're going to come back to me, baby. There's a law of attraction rule that, that applies there, and it did so in this case. I went to this toy market, and the only thing that really caught my eye was this beautiful olive green and lime green monstrosity. <laughs> And yeah, it is beautiful. Of course, it's got all the aliens resonances, the Colonial Marines APC. I mean, if you ever make the, uh, I suppose, the analogy between the Mega Marines and the Colonial Marines, you can't make that analogy without focusing heavily on the Monster Blaster APC. There's so much that is right on this vehicle, it really does overpower the wrong. I love the lime green. It pops so nicely and gives it a futuristic look that meshes well with its real-world green colorings. Uh, It's not supposed to look like something that we'd see now, but it's not too far off. Uh, Everything about it is very real to me, including the extremely cool feature. That main cannon on top of it has that lock and load feature and I must say fellas after 25 years it still functions perfectly you drop the missile into the slot you pull the bolt forward 
lock it to the side, fire the missile, and it shoots very nicely, very far. It holds troops inside who are well protected. I mean, this is something that, like, I almost want to ask you guys, like, are you, A, aware of the Monster Blaster APC, and do you think it is a superior APC to the original 1983 APC? I'm going to give one of you guys a chance first. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out if Copperhead was the first dude in a tank top. Was it him or Heavy Duty? Or Roadblock? <laughs> they were in the same year. All right. Yeah, this thing is a bit ugly. <laughs> it looks like, I... a, like a, a moving pyramid. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Fair enough. And it's got bright green colors on it. Ugh, it doesn't feel very real world at all. You know, compared to the original APC. I mean, that one at least looked real. This one's got like a giant cannon on top. And the wheels are very plastic. And it doesn't look like they have texture on them, at least from the pictures I can see. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, it, it, it does remind me a bit of the, what's that other thing called? The the rock or the rhino a bit? The front yes. of it? Sure, the, the rhino. <laughs> yeah, so that's a point in its favor. Mm, I suppose it has that similar configuration, you know, you have a driver's chair and like a a coaxial gunner's chair. Mm. But I'm gonna have to go old school for this one. <laughs> Definitive APC for Rob, old school. Fair enough, fair enough. Right. I will say this much about uh, the Monster Blaster, which I'm sure will be the dissenting opinion, is that it actually succeeds in fully covering its personnel. You know, they they are in c- completely enclosed in an armoured canopy, which is something the APC, you know, it's a soft top, it's a rag top. Uh, it's something that I never really digged about the APC. It's like, yeah, you're not going to ride this thing into battle because that back section is going to get chewed up and everyone's going to die. <laughs> well, it's like real warfare. They, they, they don't drive APCs into the front lines. Like, get out, everyone! Join the trenches or something. Whereas the Monster it's Blaster to get the APC... the troops to where you need to go. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but the, the Monster Blaster APC looks like it can operate in an urban environment or in a off-road environment. Oh, um, definitely. You, you can roll your troops right into the firefight, you know? And just pop the top open and people will lob grenades in there and they'll die. But it's Whoa. other it's other Achilles heel apart from the colouring, which as I've said doesn't bug me personally, is that you have these two gunners seats in the back. On a practical point of view, the guns are very stiff. I've tried lubricating them with oil. They've given a little bit more give but they're still, like, hair-raisingly stiff to try and twist them around. Probably just a design thing. You know, the parts are machined a little bit too close, close in size. You know, the peg and the hole. And also the occupant is kind of exposed. You know, he's got the gun as kind of cover, keeping him from from, uh, being directly exposed to everything, but, like... Yeah, the guy's head is poking out in the back there. And it is kind of distracting on a vehicle that is otherwise completely enclosed for its occupants. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. What can you do? Add more plastic to it? Give it, like, a little sort of gun cage? They probably call that, like, the gopher hole. Somebody look out (laughs) the gopher hole! (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a perfect place to lob a grenade as well and blow your axle right off. Mm. Damn. I'm quite aware of the Monster Blaster personally because it's, um, it's right up there with the Parasite. Uh, I think the Parasite's from the previous year. I think it's a 92 vehicle. 93 but actually, I'm, isn't it? Well, according to Yojo, it's 92 now that I'm looking All at right. it. Okay, uh, cool. But, but um, That's another comparison that you can draw. Like, like You can put it in the same class as the APC, but they're decades apart. Similarly, you can put it in the same class as the Rhino, but they're also decades apart. So this thing's actual uh, like corollary that you can compare it to is the Cobra Parasite. So which do you prefer, Paul? I, I'm Monster Blaster uh, APC all the way, dude. I don't love the original uh, APC. I, I I have a lot of respect for the toy, um, and I get what they were trying to do with it. It was a great way to take all of your Joes to your friend's house and whatever. But uh, if, I, if I was a kid and I'd seen the Monster Blaster APC on the shelf, I would have snagged it. Unfortunately, we had all of those, the battle, we had battle wagons everywhere up here, um, but we never had the Monster Blaster, because that thing is cool. When I discovered, I mean, I, I discovered that a few years ago, I mean, when we started the podcast, I was already kind of looking into one for myself. I'm actually trolling eBay right now, <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> um, I love it. I think it's a great toy. I think it's got a great aesthetic. I personally love the neon color com- uh, configuration, and I think uh, it's an APC that's got a lot of bite. Uh, it's got that big gun, you know, you can just, you know, shoot off a few rounds, then deploy your troops, you know, while everybody's like on fire and go and do your damage. I think it's, I think it's very sweet, dude. And it's a, it's a nice little nod to Alien, which I find the whole Mega Marines line kind of is. Or Aliens. A- or, no, sorry, Aliens, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's me on that topic. <laughs> yeah, and that's me on new shit. Kuja, what you got for us, bro? Hmm. Well, I can I can throw a spotlight for a second. Just another G.I. Joe show, YouTube affair, uh, familiar faces from the Joe community popping up. Um, oh, and a uh, shout out to uh, Joburg Ally, Shattered Glass. But... If you're interested, you may want to check out episode 14. Uh, they had a special, special guest, Kirk Boz, Bozigian. Bozigian. You know that name? Bozigian. Thank you, brother. Um, <laughs> no, uh, he, he started, they, they were well prepared for him. Uh, they dropped some great questions, and they were very tactical. I see you, gentlemen. Um, but he, he had some great answers about, uh, one of their questions was, do you think... Like nowadays, uh, seeing the landscape, do you think that they should mesh the G.I. Joe, ROM, and uh, and whatever else they're doing universe? And he said, that's a definite no. And he said, because he said G.I. Joe needs to stand alone. And then later in the conversation, he happened to mention that Cobra is actually not what you think it is. It's something totally different. And they didn't do any digging when he said that. I know somebody who might. And I think he may be at the Joe Con, so keep your radar up for that. Um, I know I will, but check that out. Uh, nicely done, gentlemen. And also, uh, of note, just because I want to kind of hype it up, because I'm hyped, Paul mentioned Joburg Ally. Uh, oh, Christ, I'm blanking on another name. <laughs> Jim Godfrey. <sighs> Thank you, Jim. That's not a reflection of how I feel about you, brother. I love you. But he, he and I collaborated on a custom figure that he's sending my, my way shortly. Uh, it does have to do with the occult, so I think it'll be kind of like a, a unique checkmate to maybe a, a, a figure like Crystal Ball. We'll see. 
can't wait Curtis, to look at that. Have you though. seen it? I have uh, not. You know, have you seen it? Okay, I've seen it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, I'm a little jealous, though. I am going to say that. <laughs> well, uh, I'm looking forward. So, so thank you, Jim. But uh, I'm ready to talk uh, special teams, I suppose. Choose your own adventure style. So who's going to go first? Uh, <laughs> Rob's like, don't pick me, don't pick me, I'm still writing it. <laughs> How about we let uh, our female voice decide? Lily, you still around? I am around. Ooh, so much power. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what you've done. <laughs> so, yeah, should, Rob, so, should we let Paul go first? I think so. I'm very curious to hear his story. <laughs> All right, okay. I hope that uh, you guys see some of the small cues that I've put in this and uh, that they are musical accompaniments to go with it. Um, but I say that mostly because I'm just trying to troll Steve. I don't think uh, Steve's in this position to really add too many musical accompaniments to the stories. Anyway. Okay, that could be your sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> You're missing it. But the look on Paul's face is like, oh, God, please no. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear You're going to get real, folks. Some 80s horror synth provided by Lily. Oh, like a ghost for you. And she just had an education in, in 80s horror synth now as well, so... <laughs> Which sub-team did you draw? I picked uh, the Mega Marines, actually. Nice. The Mega Marines are awesome. Uh, I, I know, Paul's like most of unpopular opinion in the G.I. Joe It's very, very fitting right now. I mean, we've just been talking about the Monster Blaster APC, which... If you did watch the YouTube video, I was like, that is the second best vehicle from the 90s. After, well, <laughs> after the Ghost Striker, of course. You know me all too well. So, just to fill people in on the Mega Marines, the Mega Marines are gung-ho in the lead, uh, joined by Mirage uh, Clutch and a, a guy called Blastoff. Blastoff and Mirage are two newbies. Mirage is a heavy infantry dude. Uh, Blastoff is a flamethrower specialist, I think sort of replacing the role of Blowtorch. Uh, Clutch is the original Clutch. Gung-Ho is the original Gung-Ho, who now has to lead this ragtag bunch of Marines who are fitted with special reactive armor and uh, next-level weapons, which are basically like neon machine guns. Anyway... So the Mega Marines, uh, G.I. Joe gets a call uh, to go and retrieve a mysterious fragment uh, from a research facility in the mountains, in a, in a mountainous region of whatever. <laughs> uh, I want to say Sierra Gordo, but we use it too much. Let's say Nevada. In Nevada, there's a secret uh, testing facility that tests all kinds of materials, you know, like maybe uh, alien artifacts, but they cannot confirm or design, uh, deny such things. Anyway, uh, this team has been sent in to retrieve a mysterious technology from here. So, on they go, what happens is they go and tack up, and then they grab uh, the Monster Blaster APC, and then it gets slung onto a very cool-looking dropship-type device that there's never been a toy released of, but it's, it's, it's designed to hold the APC, and they take off, and they go towards the Nevada Desert, 
And on the way there, they send in communication because they just want to confirm landing and all that and clearance. And the radio is dead. And this is kind of bad because mm, that's weird. You know, they're scared they're going to get taken out by the research facility SAM sites. So they start flying a little bit lower to get in. And the bases, you know, they can't get any pings. They can't get any sound. It's, it's completely mysterious. So they decide, okay, cool. They drop off the Monster Blaster APC with the full team in. And they end up rolling towards this facility. The facility is built into a mountainside, or should I say like a, yeah, it's a mountainside, a cliffside kind of bunker. It's got super thick, 20-foot uh, thick concrete fortifications in the front, and it's got like probably three or four like sort of firewalls in terms of doors to get in. So they, the Mega Marines deploy, and they use the Monster Blaster super cannon to blow the doors open to get in there at least three or four times. So now the poor Monster Blaster APC is out of ammo, but they've man- managed to get in because they've got this feeling, you know, and, and Gung Ho's are like, I got a bad feeling about this. So anyway, they get in and uh, they checking in and they, they, um, they break up into teams of two. So it's two teams of two, Gung Ho, Mirage and Clutch and Blastoff. They scout the facility. Everything's looking a little off, uh, kind of like the whole facility just stopped. Like everybody, like there's half full cups of coffee, there's stuff on the floor. Uh, it's it's kind of eerie in there. And all of a sudden, uh, what looks like a Cobra Mega Viper starts running towards the team, um, kind of frantic-like. So here's your choice, team. Do you guys kill the Cobra Mega Viper or do you try and help him, like uh, try and see what's going on? Who's your first Joe versus Cobra. You guys, you guys are my team. You guys are essentially Gung Ho Mirage, Clutch, and Blastoff. Military, this is not a democracy. Gung Ho decides. Uh oh. (laughs) That's right. Isn't he a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy? Well, I don't know because, I mean, if, if everything's still left and people had to flee the scene, I don't know. Maybe you have to. Find out what's going on with the Viper. I think this is kill him. I mean, Rob, what say you? It's G.I. Joe versus Cobra. It's not G.I. So, Joe and Cobra. Four on okay, one, so though. what ends up happening is Gung- <laughs> <laughs> Gung-Ho shouts at the order to, you said, to try and help, to try and get information, Steve, or was it Cujo that said try and get information? That, I believe, was Cujo. I, I don't know how that would go down, though. Okay, so Gung-Ho uh, says open fire. And, uh, you know, a Mirage is a little reluctant. He's like, maybe we should try and get information. But by that time, you guys have made Swiss cheese of this Viper, <laughs> who, um, now that you, oh, now wow. after taking a much closer look, you realize he wasn't armed and he was already quite damaged. So you guys get a bad feeling about this whole thing. And the bad feeling gets even worse. So then you guys decide, okay, well, you know, maybe you should uh, try and get hold of, of the Joe uh, headquarters. Um, trying to get like word out or whatever so you turn back to try and get out of the facility but a security system has engaged which is like now sealed you guys in and the whole place is starting to you know klaxons are going crazy while silent it's like red lights are going crazy so you definitely get the impression that this facility is now in lockdown you can't get out gung-ho tries to use his communications and he can't get through it's just static they can't get through to Joe team. So going home makes an executive decision. He decides, cool, uh, we've got to go and find some kind of communication center. So you guys uh, start proceeding you know, through the facility uh, very carefully. There's 
bumps and knocks and all kinds of crazy sounds going on around you. It's it's kind of eerie. It, there's no screaming or anything. It's just, you know, the team is very much on edge. Everybody's head's on a swivel. So um, you guys make it through to the – well, you get to the section where you guys can sort of see the, the con center. But now you guys have got to get through what's like a like a type of a clean room, which is which is a bit weird. So you guys try to do all the usual stuff using the welding tools and whatever to try and get open. And Blastoff decides, no, it's cool. He's going to um, torch the door. So he jumps in front of – he tells everybody to back up. And he starts like hosing down the door with some flamethrower. And there's obviously some kind of – well, not obviously, but there seems to be some kind of gas system. A gas poison or not poisonous gas but like sort of like a gas a security measure and it turns into a huge sort of ball of fire and we lose Blastoff. Blastoff dies. The gas mixes with the fire and Blastoff leaves the same way he came in into, uh, into the world in a ball of flame. Uh, the team is really <laughs> on edge now and they decide to push through uh, because now the gas is all, obviously all burnt out. Gung-Ho and Mirage manage to find two fire extinguisher type, type things, and then they extinguish the flames as much as they can, but Blastoff is dead. Your team proceeds to the comm center. Uh, the comm center is functional. There are some consoles that are active, but the problem is, is that they are all locked. There seems to be some kind of password protection or something, so Clutch and Mirage both suggest, well, maybe we need to find some kind of uh, override, uh, maybe reset the power or something, uh, other Jurassic Park style. Paul, have there been any signs of monster vipers and bio-vipers? There haven't been any signs yet, but it is very strange that the whole place is on lockdown and that, that there's no personnel in operation. The stranger still is that there was a mega-viper on the scene. Like, why would they deploy Mega Vipers exactly. without the beasts that they're supposed to control? Steven gets it now. There you go. And, I mean, uh-huh. there was a, there was uh-huh. a reason uh-huh. why Mega Marines was called. I mean, for the first time, or not the first time, I suppose, the G.I. Joe sub-teams, in many respects, were, like, reactions to shit that Cobra was doing. Like, Cobra was peddling drugs... So DEF was created. Cobra was polluting the world, so eco-warriors were created. In this instance, Cobra have created these beasts. So the Mega Marines were created to deal with them. There was a reason why the Mega Marines were tapped for this mission. Yep. So still no sign of the bad guys. It may very well start coming up now. Okay, so the comm center, just so you guys know, it has basic security controls. And they can actually unlock some of the doors and things like that. Um, But they do need to reroute and fix up the power. You know, fix up the power so they can have full access to the uh, the facility and maybe um, engage tracking systems that are on the lab technicians and things like that to see where all of them are holed up. Because they can't find, with their scanners at the moment, they can't find where the general population is. And nothing's coming up on gung-ho or Mirage's infrared scanners. I'm just going to assume Mirage has got infrared scanners in his cool little visor. (laughs) Um, Of course. So your decision now as a team is, do you guys disable the security system to open up uh, some of the bulkheads so that you can proceed through uh, without too much of a hindrance? Or do you decide that the security system 
is in place and it might be because you don't have a full grasp of the situation it might be a good idea to keep the security system going and try to find the long way through how conspicuous is this component that we're looking for is it something that we could have missed or is it something that is quite i uh, know it's quite it's quite biggish it's like according to the the original briefing uh which was handed uh which was only handed to gung ho and the mega marines team the device in question is not of Earth's origin, it's not from Earth. It is big enough to carry uh, what looks like uh, three humanoids, and they are really, uh, they're really worried about it getting into the hands of Cobra and wanted it to be secured in G.I. Joe's secret pit facility. So that is why, that is why Gung Ho and the team are there. You guys won't miss it. I don't think we can do a comprehensive search of this facility if there are doors that haven't been unlocked. What does the rest of the team think? What, what does, does the rest of the team think? Cool, let's open the doors, or does the rest of the team think uh, long way, long route? <laughs> mm, I don't like to be trapped in a cage, so maybe the quickest route out. Okay, that's that's two for disabling the security system. Rob, what say you? At, at the safer route seems to be to go around. I mean, like, like they've locked this place up for a reason, you know. Like, there's got to be a reason why. I mean, we haven't seen any of those monster handler dudes or something. And, yeah, I'm going around. Long shot way. Cool. Clutch is kind of like, uh, he's like, hey, guys, I normally like to take, uh, you know, the quickest route around the track. But I, I, I got to say, this is, this is not feeling right. Uh, Gung Ho and Mirage turn around and go, no man, it's uh, security systems, let's let's get our asses out of here. So you guys disable the security systems with the limited knowledge that you have, and you hear the parts in the facility, like a, like a robot voice comes out, like, facility, unlocking, doors, unlocking, security personnel on site, and you're like, okay, that's weird, and you just hear these like, doo -doo doors opening, and all of a sudden you hear and you're like shit. oh shit shit's gonna get real now so you guys start moving motoring forward knowing that something bad's going your way and uh sure as shit all of the the staff the facility staff are all coming at you they they kind of zombified but that's only a, a basic umbrella term they all kind of uh mutated and they got sharp claws and teeth and their eyes are completely black and they're just shiny and they're going right at the team and gung-ho and mirage open fire clutch is opening fire it's just bullets going everywhere as they're moving they're just pushing forward pushing forward trying to get to uh, where they can but unfortunately mirage decides he's going to take one for the team or rather he doesn't he's just at the wrong place at the wrong time but manages to save gung-ho and clutch as um, as he's taken out by like four of these sort of like zombified personnel, these biological creatures. Clutch and Gung Ho are now proceeding through the facility. Their heart rates are up. Shit's going downhill pretty quickly. It's a lot of bad road ahead. Uh, Gung Ho knows it. And Gung Ho gets this distinct feeling. He's like, you know, when you're on the bio and you're, you're just going for a walk and you get that chill up your spine, yeah, like, you know, a croc is watching you. I got one of those feelings. Touch is like, save it, man. Save it. I ain't got no rear view mirror. I can't see what's behind me. <laughs> okay, so you guys <laughs> keep pushing through, keep pushing through. 
and you finally manage to get to the actual security control system where you can control the power. It's good, it's good news for the team <laughs> because now you can finally use a, uh, the uh, emergency override and try to close the bulkheads again. So, you guys do that. You engage the power, you reset the power. Clutch is watching the door. Uh, Gung Ho goes in and he activates the whole power sequence. Um, the whole facility goes black uh, for like two seconds and all you're hearing is like... And, and it's, just, it's just nasty. It's just stuff falling and you're just hearing... And then the power restores, and then the robot voice is like, Power restored. So, Clutch and Gung Ho look at each other, and they're like, Okay, so, uh, do we get that message out to Joe Actual, or do we keep pushing forward and get this thing, get the hell out of here? Clutch is like, Dude, I want to get the hell out of here. Let's get to that security control, open the doors, and punch the fuck up. <laughs> and Gung Ho's like, No, I think we should push ahead. Uh, whatever's causing this needs to be destroyed and stopped. So, um... Uh, what do you guys decide to do? Do you decide, decide to go back to the original comm center room so that you can uh, open up all the doors again and get the facility up and running so that you can escape? Or do you take Gung Ho's route and uh, try to push through and destroy this evil thing that could be causing all of this or try to get to the heart of the matter and, and, and stop this place from everything happening? <laughs> the classic, have you had enough? Or <laughs> do you try and solve the mystery? Oh man, that's that's not an option. There's, we we gotta go forward. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these guys are soldiers. They don't care about their lives. It's a never say die kind of attitude. I mean, like the smart money is, we are woefully under-equipped for the situation. We need to go and get back up. But uh, if it's just the two of them, and they're that close, they can handle it. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> well, in a very Game of Thrones kind of style. I mean. Paul's already disposed of half the team, so uh, <laughs> they might not be able to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Gang is still alive. He counts for like five men. Precisely. Yeah. Especially in that neon yellow. <laughs> Turtleneck. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not above killing my darlings. I must be honest. So. <laughs> but I think shit. that's a, that's a that's a sweeping vote for advance. Let's get to the bottom Ooh, of this mystery. Yeah. Okay, so Gung-Ho and Clutch um, advance to the main facility where they, they finally get in because, you know, the power's been activated and because of their Joe clearance and because they've got, like, a type of a SIM card built into their armor, into their Joe technical uh, stuff, a lot of the doors are opening for them because they have a very high security clearance, not, not just because they're Mega Marines, but also because they are G.I. Joe. So they managed to make it to the main facility um, to the main place. Luckily, they're not encountering too much. Gung-Ho's got a severely bad feeling about this. And all of a sudden, there it comes. This huge black creature that is about eight foot tall. Maybe bigger. It's difficult to tell because the facilities, lights, thing and stuff like that are still flickering. It's angry. It's snarling. It's got sharp teeth. It's coming right for them. Gung-Ho's only got a little bit left, a little bit of ammo left. Um, clutch is carrying uh, Mirage's backup like sort of rocket launcher thing their reactive armor is on a hair I mean kind of like if they take one or two more shots they are gonna die gung-ho and clutch open fire on this thing trying to sort of circle it and you know get it you know to to stop if it bleeds we can kill it <laughs> there you go man <laughs> it's just absorbing bullets 
they are moving around and they manage to spot Gung Ho sort of on the corner of his eye manages to spot what looks like a flamethrower on one of the other security per- dead security personnel that's there that's you know two half dead security personnel because he's been eviscerated and then torn in twain <laughs> oh, <God>. ripped into two pieces <laughs> grizzly <laughs> I couldn't help it, man. It's such a D&D thing to say. Anyway, um, yeah, they're fighting off this creature, and Gung Ho just can't get around because the creature sort of sussed out what he wants to do. Clutch makes a, a, a run for the flamethrower, grabs the flamethrower, and goes for the long pass. Monster intercepts Clutch, and Clutch is no more. Clutch dies. Clutch has... Clutch <laughs> is in permanent reverse. Original 13. Death. Death. Yeah. Gung-Ho grabs the flamethrower and starts to incinerate this creature with the flamethrower. The thing is snarling, it's screaming, it's just completely, like, whatever. And uh, Gung-Ho's like, ding-dong, motherfucker. And he's just, like, torching this dude until there's no more fuel in the can. And thing, next thing he does is he grabs his gun and he pops a nice one in the middle of the monster's head. And the monster gives off, like, a large, like, a, a bit of a, like, a uneventful sort of kind of a shriek when it dies it's just like, like and then that kind of drops so gung-ho you know is like wow my whole team has died he's running he runs towards the where the facility is where the alien um technology is and he takes a look at it and he's like this is crazy it's too big for him to get out by himself there's too much danger so he opens up the control panel that's there and uh he's trying to find something that can unlock it or maybe you know get it to like go back into a locking or containment facility maybe uh, until gi joe arrives and then um the robot voice comes in and it's just like biological contaminant at unstable levels self-destruct sequence in two minutes so gung-ho is like crap next thing gung-ho can't stop it can't stop it the creature comes sort of back to life and they get into a neck and neck um struggle as they're trying to fight it off, Gung-Ho knows that if this thing gets out into the real world, or if any of those creatures get into the real world, it's going to be game over. So he tries to, he gets back to the security console um, and starts to lock down all of the doors um, and makes a final stand against the monster. Um, it is now 46 seconds to self-destruction of the facility. Gung-Ho is a real trooper. He is displaying all of his marine training and and all of his experience of the G.I. Joe team. Well, now we cut across to two X-16s are flying towards the facility with a pretty sizable payload. It looks like some kind of smart bomb. And mm. they get their orders halfway through their flight. Their orders are to obliterate the, the facility with the two sort of bunker bombs. The, the first bomb goes off and it sort of collapses into the mountain and it starts causing what it does and the mountain starts to sort of implode in on itself. And then the second one is kind of like a, like a miniature hydrogen bomb, which sends the whole facility up into hell. Both X-16 pilots do not know that they have just caused Gung-Ho's death, but this, uh, these orders came from very, very high above. There we go. Whole team, the Mega Marines were eliminated while facing a Cobra threat. All the while, there's a team of Cobra troopers from the 90s. I can't think of a good one right now. And they've been Rock Viper. You know, doing some recon in this facility. And they send a message back to Cobra Commander and they're like, our biological weapon project is a success, Commander. Well, then I'd vote that it's a Cyber Viper. 
Yes. The yellow and pink one. Yes. Cyberpunk. Well, the the oh, guys who are charged with overseeing the uh, the whole monster viper thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we'll never know if it was an alien craft. It was just planted by Cobra. And we'll never know the weapon or the biological terror that Cobra unleashed on the space. But unfortunately, the whole Mega Marines are gone. That wow. research facility is gone. It feels like this is their debut mission because they weren't aware of Cobra's monster project. That's well, kind of cool. <laughs> it was my way of trying to make it less hokey as opposed to, you know, they know about the monsters and whatever. I wanted it to be like uh, aliens, but with the feeling of alien, like they're discovering it for the first time. So mm. it is kind of an alien. Stuff. The ill-fated Mega Marines. Yeah, man. I'm sorry Gung-Ho had to go, but... He just did. <laughs> I know, right? I am super keen for a full set of Mega Marines now, i got to say. Of course. <laughs> I kicked myself for not buying... I used to have a Clutch, and I used to have Gung-Ho. No, I had Clutch, and I had Mirage. Sorry. And I kicked okay. myself for not having bought the rest of them, because it's a really cool toy set. Rob has I have Gung-Ho, Gung-Ho, and Rob and I both have a Mega Viper. I have a Cyber Viper. I saw Clutch yesterday, actually. Wow. At, at the toy market, yeah. Guess what's not coming expensive? your way, Paul? <laughs> no, he's about he's about seven dollars. Can you pick him up for me? I you get I, a chance. I can try. <laughs> I mean, he please. He needs, I'd really appreciate. When I say I saw Clutch, he's like he's in pretty beat condition. Like this is like a oh. big big mixed bag uh-huh. of, of Joes. Oh no, leave it then. Sorry. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. No, leave it. I'll I'll troll the bay. I'm sure they're cheap on the bay. Paul loves trolls. Nobody wants the Mega Marines, but perhaps after this podcast, <laughs> everyone's going to want the Mega Marines. Oh, yeah. Oh. Cooge, Cobra wins the day. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, man. Sure, that dude. doesn't often happen, you know. Not in the cartoons. What do you think about that, Cujo? I, I'm not too familiar with the Mega Marines, but I did like that tale, and I did like the approach. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Oh, oh man, they're like 60 bucks, Steve. <laughs> Mega Marines are super cheap. Nice, and you can immediately throw away all their accessories. But there is a gun that the Mega Marines and the Star Brigade guys came with uh, that was on the weapons tree, which I thought is a cool shoe-in for the Colonial Marines pulse rifle. Yes, it's, it's I got a, about. You know what I mean? It's got a scope on top. It's got a kind of mm. a... It, oh, it's the gun that... 1991 gung-ho comes with yes mm. it's it looks like a doom gun as well it's very very sexy i love that gun yeah. and the, the the star brigade version is even better because it's got a much nicer handle well if you can find that gun in black and i think i have two or three of them in black i think they came with ozone ozone star brigade version they make for great weapons for the mega marines you've got to shop around for a, a cool uh, flamethrower for Blastoff, but as for the rest, oh, and Blastoff has that wonderful malady of like having a painted face on a plastic head, or red plastic head, so the nose always rubs off because his helmet is such a snug snug fit. So you've got this like bright red point on his nose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's doubly bad in his case. But very very <laughs> cool story, Paul. Thanks, man. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Who's next? Rob, well, have you finished writing yours? <laughs> <laughs> Here comes a new uh, challenger. In, in, in the last t- 
how long how long how long have we been here for an hour no 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 i haven't i am it's it would be horrendous if i were to share any of it right now i mean i had a proper one but it hadn't i hadn't finished it yet because i thought we had like three weeks to get it done um and i tried to come up with another one uh and i have like two decisions and i haven't ended it so well valiant's effort for basically authoring two i most certainly hope they appear in a future episode. We'll do no, a no, for sure. commercial break. 112. Definitely bring it out. <laughs> because Rob had picked the Eco Warriors, and that's a sub team that definitely needs some some addressing. I some, some love. Yesterday I saw the Eco Warriors Deep Six figure for the first time in hand, and I had no idea that there is actually a sculpted head. Inside that crystal mask, <laughs> that box. Well, of course, did it, it come is. with that dodgy dolphin? I couldn't find the dolphin, but I did definitely get the figure in hand, and I was like, "That's creepy, man. What? What is that mask all about?" <laughs> it's to keep him safe. What film is it sort of sort of channeling? Yeah, it's the abyss. It's got like a, abyss, a yeah. flat face. You can imagine like a lighting effect inside the the mask to illuminate the face. So that you can see your A-list celebrity actors, even though they're wearing suits. Yeah. Because <laughs> let's face it, that's the only reason you have those lights that actually shine at the person in the helmet. Because it's a bitch yeah, to... You can't see shit beyond those. Well, it's a bitch to light someone who's in a domed glass helmet that isn't underlit. If you light it... Yeah, well, you can't see. Exactly. So, you know, sci-fi movie trope, whatever. Definitely. Well, Rob, if it brings you any comfort, I basically have two index cards with my entire story on it, so... <laughs> yeah, but, but you're able to talk shit up, like, real good, dude. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. What are you drinking tonight, brother? I appreciate it. Check some mail. Um, you know, I'll, I'll spin a little tale. I guess we four people can... I can do four people in this in this game. I turned an eye towards the DEF, and I'm probably the Joe Berg member to do so. But basically, took a look at some of the uh, characters in that subset and uh, came up with Game of Fates Part 2. Are you ready, lady and gentleman? Yes. All right. Born ready. It was awkward. You should talk to my mother. (laughs) (laughs) He came out and then... (laughs) With sunglasses, I'm ready. I'm ready. First of all, it's not always action. Sometimes it's got to be subtle. You have a meet and greet with a character known in the underworld as the headman. The location is yet undefined. You got a party of, let's just say, three decision makers here. But you roll up. Before you get out of the car, there are four tools you can pick up for this mission. Each tool decide who you are on the DEF force. The first tool is a rifle. The second, a net. The third, a flashlight. And the last is a microphone. Let's start with Paul. Which one are you picking up this time? Paul and Lily, I'm sorry. Between the net, the rifle, and the, the microphone, and the? Flashlight. Dibs on flashlight. 
Yeah, Lily has had a, a recent blushing with uh, flashlights and their importance, so I think we're going to take a flashlight this time. And Nicely done. Paul grows mm-hmm. a pretty mean moustache, so yeah, I guess he is cutter then. Oh. Yeah. Okay, his attributes will come into play when you, when you discuss. Rob, what are you picking up? I'll pick up the microphone because I think, I mean, I already in real life own the most expensive microphone on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's that's not much of a badge of honor. It makes you the leader, too. <laughs> and black. Huh? <laughs> You're bulletproof. Very true. You 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 now feel invincible, brother. You're mm. methodical. We'll carry that into your scenario as well. Steven, you have two options left. What do you got? I gotta be shockwave, bro. Give me the rifle. Nicely done. Ooh. So to usher out this setting... That's perfect, Cujo. You realize that you're mutton junkyard. This was off the cuff. I'm thinking it up as it goes on. Mr. Animal Companion himself. You have an anim- animal companion. This is prophetic. And Junkyard's like, I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And already, you know that you, you kind of understated what you thought was going to go on. There's a, There's a whole team... Of the, I wouldn't call them Cobra Troopers. They're a little rough around the edges. They got spikes on and stuff. You haven't seen these people before. But still, you're out of the car because it's got to go down. You got three colors. Headman says, you know, I checked on you guys, and you guys are decent, or you check out, but nobody gets past this door unless you take what's in my hand. There's three different colors. Uh, decide amongst yourselves... Which ones you want to pick? You know he deals in drugs. So, I mean, this is pretty straightforward. The first color is blue. The second color is red. And the third color is yellow. There's no green? Come on, Cooch. Well, I mean, <laughs> there may be another person to appear in the game later. I was I was going to go with the all-organic route, but, uh, okay, if it's red, blue, and yellow. Well, Headman doesn't, doesn't do natural. He, he's trying to find out who he's dealing with. Right on, man. Steven, what do you got? Uh, all I've got oh. is a Matrix reference. <laughs> Take the blue pearl. I'm pretty pill. sure that's all going. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I'm excited. I mean, if the blue pearl, you wake up snug in bed, and it was all a bad dream. The red pearl, you get to peer down the rabbit hole. What does the yellow pearl do? I can taste purple! <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I make a choice, brother. Uh, I mean, I'm basing this on absolutely nothing, but that's right. That's that's how it is. But let's 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 hit the other brick road. Okay, nicely done, Paul, Lily. How are you feeling? Red or blue? Oh, we'll we'll take the red pole. Red sounds much better than yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Mr. Pink sounds a little bit too much like Mr. Pussy. Robert, I'm I'm glad you actually don't have a story because you're gonna have to you're gonna spit some fire for a little bit, as you always do. So you take these pills and you enter this room. The first one to kind of kick in is the yellow, and you find out that you've done LSD. I guess the yellow wasn't so yellow. Some of the qualities of this drug are intense and detailed descriptions, noticing everything about the world around you. Can you please do that now? Illuminate the structure that we are in. Paint a picture so we can all be there too, Stephen. Oh, man. The second you said stepping out of the car and you know it's going down with the headman in your all-American swagger, 
I was just conjuring up conjuring up that Miami Vice world of neon lights and cool cars and memorable characters and speedboats. <laughs> Always after dark. So, Are you talking like an open air club type scene? Yeah, actually. So we've moved from the street scene outside the club into the headman's establishment, which on the legitimate facade is a nightclub. But of course, that is just, you know, a playground for his types of activity, which include, but is not limited to, obviously, illicit substances, uh, smuggling, maybe even human trafficking, definitely arms trade. I mean, this guy's got a lot of guns. You know when you step up into the headman's jam, you better bring back up. Otherwise, you're gonna leave. You're gonna leave full of holes at the bottom of a lake. The club is what you think it is. It's beautiful inside. You're you're enraptured in the neon lights. There's ladies dressed in ways that, that aren't appropriate. It's it's rapturous and men and men for the lady. Oh, hold on, Stephen. Before we dismiss you in this glorious club, since you are shockwave, will you just sing one line about what a glorious evening it is? Because, because you are feeling it at this point. You're gonna have me sing while my whisper sing. My potential in-laws are <laughs> are sleeping, like just down the hall. Yes, put them to sleep, Stephen. Heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak, and I seem to find the happiness I seek. When we're out together doing drugs. <laughs> you know what? You're I'm, fe- I'm feeling it, but all of a sudden, your senses wake up for a second, and you notice this Cobra dude, who you've seen on the battlefield before, who smote your friends, you see that dude. Who is that? And you can barely contain yourself in this moment. Jesus. Well, there was that one time... I banked w- I was primary through the door. And there was a an alley viper ambush waiting for us. I managed to get the one guy's helmet off, and I got a good look at his face. Yeah, I see that son of a bitch, gold tooth. All right. Spiky hair, unshaven, sullen cheeks. He's over there on that couch in the VIP section. He's got some some candy with him. We've got an alley viper in the company in this nice club. And now we'll move along to the red pill. Are you two, two ready? We're ready. Yep. I'm sorry, what, what what tool did you pick up? You picked up the flashlight. Flashlight, yeah. Cutter is aggressive. He he, he's, he's, he, he enjoys the shootout. So there is, there is violent potential right now. <laughs> Cutter's in this same room, rocking the mustache a little out of place, but he's holding his composure. And it just so happens he's rolling on MDMA. And, and that's increased awareness, mental clarity, and empathy. You're actually feeling connected to the people in the room right now. And you're feeling the music, which I know we can all hear right now. But there's one problem. You look across the way and you see a familiar alley viper. And you, you just love this guy so much. Just in, just in a couple words, you can each contribute something that you love. A reason why you love the Alley Viper. 
The last time I heard him speak was like, bite the pillow, boy, I'm going to dry. <laughs> no. No, it can be aesthetic, brother. You don't have to you don't have to go there. No, I'm just I, I just couldn't help myself. So like I, I'm I, he inspires a memory. It all began on that fateful night. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can I can like conjure up to memory is uh, we both like faced each other and pointed guns at each other and it was just like click, click and we were both out of ammo and we kind of gave each other a good look and then we, we laughed and he went his way and I went my way. That does sound like you feel connected right now. I suppose yeah. in the spirit, since you're a bit of a contradiction, you like a shootout, but there's much love in the world right now. I suppose, just speak honestly, uh, both of you can weigh in. Uh, what choice would you like to see in the world right now? Would you like to see more violence or, or, or just let bygones be bygones and you let the viper walk? I let the I, I let the viper walk, personally, uh, just because, like we're not on the battlefield. It's like I don't have to kill him, um, and I think if he recognized me, he would have also tried to have taken me out already by now as well. So we 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 kind of on the chill. Or you could just you know very casually take preventative measures and be like, you know what, I dig this guy. And he won't expect it from me. So, you know, bang, he's dead. I never have to worry about him again. But we had good times. This is why you can't take guns to clubs, you know, love. <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed but at clubs. <laughs> but you do have a flashlight, which is helpful. And you're able to get the the waiter, the waitresses or waiter attention. And you go over and you send a drink to the, to the Viper. And he gives you a nod. Bygones, be bygones. And so on that- and so on. And and I got and I got my flashlight and I'm all like hit me with those laser beams. Don't don't worry you'll get you'll get your fill of violence on the way out. And that brings us to the blue pill. How you doing, Robert? I'm doing good. I'm surviving. All right. And you you picked up the mic, so you know you're bulletproof. And and that's the story. Anybody that talks about bulletproof knows that the dude can walk into a firefight and walk out of it. Can't explain it, but that's you. So you're methodical. You've, you've weighed the circumstances, but it just so happens that you took some PCP and you start seeing some things that aren't there. You're starting to get a little uh, delusional <laughs> and animated. So you know you got to get out of there. So here's the, here's the story. You don't want to get lethal. Everybody's playing it cool. But you do got to get out of there. So Is with you your fists, in a fist fight, I want you to describe mm, a couple fist fights. Chain them together. Except for your <laughs> fists are angry kittens and your <laughs> legs are tentacles because the PCP is kicked in. And there's a couple opponents out there. Now the alley viper is, he's a real viper. He's a large snake and he's slithering around. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so kittens, tentacles... And there are real vipers out there. Oh my. It's kind of like a usual Sunday mm. night. It's true, actually. I mean, that's, this happens to me all the time. Okay, so I start swinging my kittens around, and they're, <laughs> they're crying up a storm, but the viper is kind of getting out of the grasp of the kittens. So I start tentacling the viper, which seems to work a lot better. So it's just kind of swinging my tentacles around and whipping him to the floor. So, I eventually get that viper down. All right. 
That's not bad. Give, give me one more where the kittens can shine. Take one more person out using primarily kittens. Hmm. So I kind of hold, hold, hold my kittens up, and I start, start kind of moving them around, and the guy, the viper, just kind of watches them because he's like, "Oh, that's so cute." And then suddenly the kittens kind of headbutt him, like, like double headbutt, goof, and there's stars coming out of his head, and he's like, Shh, "The cuteness has taken me out." And because you're putting on a show, you hallucinate a quick team up. Lily, you get to play this part. You, you look next to you, and all of a sudden, Nelson Mandela has appeared with nunchucks that are on fire. And he looks at you and says something very Nelson Mandela-like, and, and then t- helps you take out the room, and you guys escape. But I need the line from Lily. You need the line from me. What he says, or what we, was, say. What he would what, say what in that position Nelson if Mandela you were hallucinating. Okay. It would be... Violence is never the answer. Unless you're tripping balls and have nunchucks. Let's go. <laughs> that, that's episode two, gentlemen. You get you guys bust out of there. And, and I just happen to be outside because uh, they don't allow dogs in the club. And I hop in the driver's seat and we get away. And Headman is snarling, as he always does. I know I know that was a wacky ride, guys. Take your violence. <laughs> that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, that was nuts. I like that. You struck people down with kittens, Robert. I think we got to go to therapy now. Rob, how did you keep a straight face while explaining that? Yeah. That's, as you said, that's my every Sunday. So, because we had to meet us down. We were talking us. Okay. I'm trying to visualize those kittens, man. Like, do they look like, like, like hand puppets? Do you have your arms up the cat's assholes? <laughs> <laughs> You're going too far with this. It's not literal. It's not literal. That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like Voltron or something like that. You know, except in yeah, exactly. form. They just kind of hold onto your hands with their their paws while you're swinging your hands around, and you knock people out with cuteness. Nice. You should have used those tentacles and sat on someone's face, suffocated them to death. Oh wow. Hey, yeah. next time. Lick my junk, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> dude, in-laws, dude, in-laws. What are you doing, man? Yeah, dude, they're listening to you right now. What is this Steven saying? Oh, tentacles. Yeah. Get my shotgun. I'm in Asia talking about tentacles. And I have been eating my fair share of invertebrates, that's for sure. And mollusks. <laughs> Just since I, I was able to pry us away from the narrative for a second... Uh, give me a quick rundown. How is how is Singapore treating you? Is it what's the weather doing over there? Like, do they think America's gone nuts? What's going on? Singapore has one season all year round, though they do apparently have a rainy season. It's rainy, you know, at least once or twice a week, every week, and it typically rains every day anyway. Do they think America's crazy? Uh, the entire world thinks America's crazy. This is not news. <laughs> And it ain't fake either, but uh, Singapore is cool. It's 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 a different experience to the the, the experience I had of it, had of it before. I've been to Asia a number of times. I've been to Singapore for quite an extensive period before, but this time I'm living under the roof of an Asian family. It's quite a culture shock, and hmm. you can't call that an oversimplification, like. Anytime we sit down to a meal, there are three dialects floating around. 
and I'm playing catch-up, hopelessly. You know, dumb Westerner sitting like agape while, you know, someone has to explain the butt of the joke. I'm like, <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. But uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting and challenging and beautiful all at once. And perhaps uh, a destination that I'll find myself at uh, intermittently for the rest of my life. You know, if I put a ring on this 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 girl. Serious words. Mm, I know, right? Wow. A little, a little too serious. Although I did call him your in-laws inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's good to have established a, a firmer contact with them. So, I'm uh, I'm I'm very pleased with this trip, and I think it's achieved what I what I set it out to do. Both Kim and I agree. Like. Thank God we did it. Uh, the timing was right. You know, we're serious about each other. It was time to, you know, have a real, real rapport with the family. Yeah, get serious with the parents, you know. Just get, get well, down. I'm glad you asked. Thanks, Cooch. Are we moving on to uh, our third and final Choose Your Own Adventure? Yeah, who's that coming from? Uh... Guys, there is a nuclear scientist from South Korea gone missing, possibly abducted. This is three months ago. A Dr. David Han. There was a top secret communique that was intercepted yesterday, which basically unfolded the information that he is in fact interred at a secret facility 30 kilometers north from the demilitarized zone that stands between South and North Korea, meaning he is in North Korea. All of a sudden, it's quite evident that he has been kidnapped and he is now being used against his will in North Korea's nuclear weapons program. The information goes on to detail the coordinates of his location. Satellite intel then confirms that it is a concrete bunker 5,000 feet above sea level in a mountainous region surrounded by forests. As I say, 30 kilometers north of the DMZ. So 30 kilometers within North Korean territory. The info appeared on NATO intelligence services and it was not encrypted. Therefore, it is commonly leaked information. And therefore, since this information most likely is appearing in most intelligence services, time is of the essence if a rescue mission is to be staged. I needn't tell you, gentlemen, that the DMZ is the most heavily patrolled area in the world, that any conventional means would be detected both day or night. But there is a great thermal created over the DMZ caused by air convergence of two opposing sea currents. It's so great that it even has a nickname named after the first guy to ever attempt it in a heavier-than-aircraft. It was called Archie Alley, which is also a fun play on words because uh, Archie means anti-aircraft gun <laughs> so yeah you're likely to get riddled with bullets if you try hang glide this shit 
the logical team crazy enough to take on a mission like this or a bunch of guys that go into battle using hang gliders. Yes, folks, my sub-team from the 90s is the Air Commanders. Our first option, do you pick the G.I. Joe team or the Cobra team? Perhaps the most important option of all. Are you a Nazi or are you a good guy? The G.I. Joe team consists of their leader, Spirit, the glider expert, Cloudburst, and the Australian Special Air Services Corporal, Skymate. <laughs> Skymate? Skymate. Oh, fuck, I can't do an Australian accent off the cuff. It's crap. Stupid me. Just, anyway. Just say Cor- Trivago, and then everything else comes into place. <laughs> Very good. Trivago. Hey, it worked. There we go. <laughs> the Cobra team. The Cobra team, unfortunately, their file cards are rather insipidly written. They basically make out the Cobra troopers that man the gliders to be rather incompetent. It's like, these guys suck so bad, all we're going to give them is a glider and throw them into combat. Nah, nah, nah. I've decided to retcon their their characters, if you will, so that Sky Creeper is the criminal mastermind who's basically out for a big score. Air Devil is your total extreme sports junkie I mean think uh, if you think point break he's one of those cats in fact they're all pretty much those guys but varying degrees point break remake or the original point break (laughs) I'll let you decide this is the 90s right come on Uh, so air devil is your your loose cannon type and Night Vulture is your effectively a ninja of the skies. He doesn't have much to say. He's scary. He's quite withdrawn. Uh, he's got a cool head, but he's extremely antisocial. And the one area that the file card does get it right with Night Vulture is that he's big on self-preservation. In fact, they all are, except maybe Air Devil. Air Devil will kind of throw himself on his own sword just for the thrill of it. Whereas Skycreeper's in it for the money, Night Vulture is in it for himself. And if it gets too hot, he's in it for the money. He's gonna turn tail and run. So, do you select the G.I. Joe team or the Cobra team, gents? Uh, I say let's try Cobra team because it's refreshing. Like I would like to try the Cobra team. What do you guys say? I'm gonna I thought say Lily Cobra. was going to decide. And roll the R. Well, I did. Right at the beginning. I said Cobra. Well, there we go. And our Paul's just being a little sheep and following the... No, I'm not. When did you say Cobra? (laughs) (laughs) Stephen put it to her first, before he started describing how shitty they normally are and how cool he's made them. Oh. Yeah. I'm being hipster about this. I liked them before I knew they were cool. (laughs) Oh, I'm cool. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. You chose Cobra too. Okay, so it's an overwhelming majority for Cobra. Outstanding, boys and girl. So Cobra have the added advantage in this scenario because first prize is obviously rescuing Dr. Han and making sure whatever secrets he was divulging to the North Koreans wind up in the possession of Cobra and then some. But the advantage that Cobra have 
is if they botch the rescue, their secondary or, or sort of second prize objective is to botch it so badly that it creates an international incident. If a military action is to be occurring over the DMZ, well, yeah, it's going to look bad and perhaps propel North Korea into a very messy conflict with their neighbors and the rest of the world, which would suit Cobra just fine. Jojo would have had the tougher uh, mission ahead, but it's cool. I like Cobra. I like them a lot, in fact. I recently just discovered, as of yesterday, a Skycreeper and a Night Vulture figure going for a song at this market. So, probably going to pull the trigger on that after this little little tale that I'm spinning. But anyways, let me not get sidetracked. Cobra's method of insertion is quite ingenious. They have a sub in the bay, and using a rocket-assisted catapult, they propel each air commando to the correct altitude and from there they deploy the gliders just like the Deke animated series sort of extend from their packs and they join the thermal and ride it all the way over the demilitarized zone and into North Korea of course they are at a slight disadvantage in terms of the ferrying time Whereas G.I. Joe could deploy from a high-altitude aircraft and it deployed quite quickly, Cobra had to move in from the coast. And therefore, we spot three gliders ahead of us. It can only be the Joes, right? We make this silhouette out against the, uh, the afterglow on the horizon. You have to set your formation. The three members are Skycreeper, the leader, who I'm going to default that he occupies the center of the formation. Air Devil, the wild card, and Night Vulture, the ninja. Who is leading the formation? I want to be Night Vulture. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Um, mm, but why? who would you, who would you put he's a ninja. <laughs> Who would you put as your point man? I'm not going to put inter. Uh, I I I am hearing you correct. No, interrogate is a battlecopter. Sorry, I thought I heard an interrogator earlier. And not a pilot. <laughs> yeah, this is going to sound re- like because I've just said I want to be Night Vulture, but I think Night Vulture should be should be like point man. I, you know, he's he's got dark colors, and he just seems like at least he's dressed for the job. Nice. <laughs> That's one vote for Night Vulture. I think Paul does actually make a good point. With the Night Vulture, so I'm happy to go with two for Night Vulture. Sweet. Are we picking our identities right now? Negative, man. In this okay. scenario, I'm not going to assign characters. I'm going to let you mm. all contribute to the narrative by by picking these Alrighty. branches of probability. Um, I, I I have no problem with the, with Vulture. I, I I'm I'm still kind of feeling these characters out, so. I'll, I'll go there. Rob? Is he the leader? No, Skycreeper is the kind of the the more level-headed one. He's the kind of in the... He, he's the median. Uh, Air Devil is the extreme wild man. The shoot first, ask questions later, kind of balls to the wall, you know, X-Games type. <laughs> uh, Night Vulture is like... 
you wouldn't even see him coming. He's a scary, scary, spooky dude. It sounds like he's the coolest. Okay, a devil then. <laughs> he also mounts uh, a set of nunchucks, so... Yeah, definitely Air Devil. Air Devil, the extreme sports yeah. dude. The crazy one. Okay. He sounds like he sounds like the the red line dude. <laughs> well, Air Devil would have probably opened fire on the GI Joes. Uh, yeah, we need to get, take them out. But unfortunately, in this situation, you've been outvoted, man. Matt <sighs> <laughs> Vulture is leading the formation in. Take that, Patrick Swayze. He decides that the best approach is the most discreet one. Because if they were to start mixing things up in the skies above the DMZ and then further into North Korea, they probably would get absolutely minced by spotlights and anti-aircraft fire. So six gliders, all zooming in on each other's slipstreams, make their range successfully. All of them make it which is a miracle to say the least. It gets pretty tight for Air Devil at the back of the formation. But unfortunately, once they reach their objective, there's not enough space on the roof of that bunker for all six gliders to land. Spirits, who's at the rear of the G.I. Joe formation, and therefore the last to land, has a sixth sense as we know, which gets tipped off, he hastily unclips his glider and brings up his weapon, but not quick enough. Air Devil makes his approach, landing right on top of Cloudburst and kicking him off the roof, glider and all. He goes spiraling down to the ground, and he's out of play. Spirit lines up the shot and opens fire hitting Sky Creeper, who goes limp in his harness and overshoots his landing, presumably dead or incapacitated. Night Vulture brings up his crossbow as he flies in, and in a super slow-mo, he fires an arrow that splits Spirit's skull in half. Oh! Yeah! Yeah. He lands on the bunker just in time to see Skymate cut Air Devil's throat. So that's uh, two Joes down and two Cobras down. It's now a face-off. Night Vulture unslings his nunchucks and disarms Skymate. The knife goes flying. Oh no, I'm glad I brought those with. Nice. <laughs> Night Vulture utters something badass and smug, like, You should have worn a safety helmet, mate, before cracking <laughs> Skymate's skull with the nunchucks. G.I. <laughs> Joe is out of the game. Hit you with my nunchucky wuckies. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Shit, sorry. Guys, you have to take this seriously. Come on. No, it's cool. It's alright, Jokers. I like the fact that you add some lightness to my seriousness. So Night Vulture's just checking that, uh, indeed his... his buddy, Air Devil, is no longer among the living. He looks up and sees 
convoy, beating a hasty retreat down the mountain trail. Looks to be a truck and then a smaller vehicle taking the lead, like a jeep. Do you pursue the trucks? Do you call it a day, scratch three Joes for Cobra, and uh, do the very Cobra-esque thing and um, <laughs> disappear into the night? Or do you search the bunker? Well, we've worked so hard to get in here, we might as well check out the bunker, I say. <laughs> I was honestly expecting you to be like, we've worked so hard to get here. I think, you know, we can call it a night. Go home, have a cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> Which, as I say, is a very Cobra thing to do. But uh, <laughs> those trucks are speeding away from the bunker. They are. Could we well, see who or how many were in the trucks that were speeding away? No, it's your typical, like, two-ton truck with a, 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 a top over the cargo section. So presumably it's got personnel on board because otherwise they could have used a flatbed truck if it was equipment. And they've got a jeep in the lead racing down the mountain. If you stick around, you run the risk of uh, freedom tracking you down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's probably following you in. Going to take uh, retribution for his master's death. Well, then I far prefer the bunker because it gives us more corners to hide in. Right now, we're kind of in the open, so... Right. And we haven't found this dude yet, so yes, we're we kind of have. To, we haven't finished our mission. Cobra Commander will that, kill us if we don't come back. Then. True. Are we gonna check the bunker then? I say we should check out the bunker. We still ask a mic, so let's do it. Sounds right. Hey, my night vulture is trying to work into the Cobra division of the Ninja Force. Okay, so you know, <laughs> I need a promotion, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Night Vulture drops down into the North Korean bunker. It's not a very large structure, and doesn't take him very long to case the joint. It does appear that it's empty. Hmm. Appears to be empty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is empty. Does that mean that maybe there's, like, a secret uh, area in there? <laughs> secret area! Like, Let's check! Let's check for any kind of scratch marks on the floor or something like that. <laughs> or is that even an option? It is not. But it, there might be enough time to reboard your glider and head down the mountain in pursuit of the trucks. Do you A, call it a night, or B, enter a hot pursuit, knowing full well that the longer you leave it, the less altitude you're going to have in order to get back to friendly lines. Oh, Rob, I think you can agree with me here. Um, Air Devil would have liked, would have wanted us to pursue him, pursue them. <laughs> exactly, he would he never have stopped. That way. Yeah, <laughs> he would have said, "Go on, man, chase the breeze, find the perfect wave." Um, uh, air pocket, <laughs> and I can yeah. get about five miles. To uh, on my glider. I mean, I can really push this thing. So, I think I think if you if you stand by tailwinds, we should be fine. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Nice. Night vulture straps in, jumps off the roof, and catches the thermal. He po points the nose of the glider down, down, down. He needs to gain some airspeed 
if he's going to get to the convoy in time. Because he's hard pressed for time, he swoops right down onto the top of the truck, anchors his glider there, swings down into the cargo section, and quickly dispatches the two guards. Like a boss. There's a, an unarmed passenger with a bag over his head. Night Vulture pulls the bag off to reveal Dr. Han. Yes. Oh, no. Success. And now for your final, most important option. Do you waste him? Or do you attempt to leave with him in tandem? Hmm. Well, you know, accidents happen, so... Uh, what does Cobra want him for again? <laughs> the secrets rattling around in his nuclear weapons expert's brain. I was just making sure, because I knew there was a viable reason. Cobra Commander reason. would want him. <laughs> I, I say Night Vulture looks at uh, looks around and is kind of like, well, you know, if he dies, we can say it's an accident, but uh, let's tr- let's see how far we can get him anyway. Well, they have to have a way of getting him an out. I mean, they were sent yeah. to retrieve this guy, so that's exactly. the mission. We, are, we got those, like, cool tandem harness thingies, you know, that exactly. they use for tourists. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Something you also need to balance, though, is how far this has deviated from the original plan. Because the bunker was situated 500 feet above sea level. You're now riding atop a truck that is rapidly descending into the valley. You're losing a lot of altitude. Altitude. And you've wasted... Maybe we should fly him like a kite. You've wasted a bit of time searching the bunker. And time, Hmm. in this case, is altitude. Is it in Night Vulture's character to pursue the mission at all costs? Or Uh-oh. is he going to step off and say, I've had enough for one night, and drops a high explosive into the back of the truck? Your decision, gents. We can extract the guy's brain. Can't, like, Mindbender do something with it? Cool. I'm down for a third option. That's what I'd do. Chop off his head. Uh, what was that episode we watched last night? Do we have access to the, the kids with superpowers? <laughs> No, Lily, I'm afraid we do not have access to the kids with superpowers. What are you talking about? Bionic 6? Animated series of G.I. Joe. Sunbow. Good God. Sunbow. <laughs> 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 We're talking Deke, baby. Deke. No, son, yeah, in this case it's Deke, but we don't go there. I don't go there. That's a dog place. Can't go. I go there often. <laughs> I say... No homo. I said the night vulture is kind of feeling uh, Rob's idea. Let's uh, let's let's take Mr. Handjob back with us. But you know, let's take the parts that matter to Doctor Mindbender. Right on. And Kujo. Mm, I mean, if you're a bad guy, as long as you can go back with some good info. So if you go back, tail between your legs, and you're like, "Yeah, this didn't go down the way that we thought it would," but this came out of it. You know, as long as there's some good news, Cobra Commander will probably let you stick around. Lily, I take it you're in agreement? I have a question. Oh. <laughs> and I hear all the guys going, oh, God. Um, <laughs> do we have a tracking device? Because wouldn't it be smart to attach a tracking device to either the convoy of, you know, vehicles and then head back to headquarters and be like, okay, we didn't get a thing, and we didn't kill him, but we know where they are. Mm. I like where you're going, Lil. It's uh, certainly 
spur-of-the-moment thinking and, and perhaps something that they would have taken into consideration, that if you have the opportunity to tag him, do that. Uh, it is, however, like a MacGuffin that I, I feel is perhaps overused. And in this scenario, with a mission that's pretty much shot to shit, like his team's dead, the Joe team's dead, <laughs> I kind of like where the guys are going on this. I, I take your points. Maybe maybe it would, oh, would be... Oh, wait, I totally missed that they already killed all the Joes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, sorry. No, then I take back what I said. Yeah, cut the dude's head off and just go back with that. <laughs> what I'm trying Excellent. to say is... Your course of action sounds to me like something that the Joes would do in a bad situation. At least, like, let's tag this guy so we can get him later. But for Cobra, at least if you chop off the head, you don't go back to your master empty-handed. You can use that as collateral. You could be like, yeah, but I've got his head, so it wasn't a complete <laughs> failure. Even, I'm even, a terrible Cobra operative. Yeah, let's go with the boys' plan. She's probably a double agent for G.I. Joe. Think about it this way, guys, and this is something that I did not anticipate when I was crafting this story, and it's why I so love collaborating creatively with you guys. I did not consider this option, but if you chop off his head, and that head winds up on the news, that's going to create an international incident, which is exactly what Cobra wants. They'll be like, this head was found floating along the Korean coastline. This is the head of South Korean nuclear scientist who has been abducted and all information points to it being the North Koreans who did it. Cobra! Pretty grim. I like it. Night Vulture Hmm? hacks off the head of Dr. Han and strings it up to his harness. He spools out his anchor line from the moving truck, allowing the glider to catch the headwind and therefore be pulled aloft. He detaches the anchor and rides that puppy all the way out to sea where the Cobra pickup sub is waiting. Mm. The end. Beautiful. Well done. Yeah. Successful mission. I gotta get me that night vulture figure now. <laughs> yeah, dude. I thought you had him already, man. He's such a cool he's like the best design of the, the gliders in my opinion. I can't believe how gory they made his face. It's like he's got an open mouth and it's like toothless and it's like got skeletal ridges along the jawline. It's beautiful. It's an amazingly sculpted figure. It's like like um a bad snake eyes, you know? An snake, evil eyes, snake eyes, yeah, I was going to say, because at first blush, it looks like a snake eyes that's been painted different colors, but when you look yeah. at him carefully, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, like a doppelganger. Very cool. I and also... Skull vulture. Night, uh, vulture. night vulture. I also, like, feel that uh, the battlecopter, most of the battlecopter characters and the glider characters are sort of misplaced. I think Skymate was always designed to have a glider. In fact, I I have a feeling that Skymate was, like, the whole purpose of his figure was to come with a glider as a feature. But I think, personally, like, Interrogator being in the, the battle chopper thingies and all that, I mean, that was, like, 
why put a, an interrogation specialist on a on a little copter you know like i feel a lot of a lot of them are misplaced and night vulture also seems like like he was supposed to be part of ninja force you know what i mean but then somebody had the bright idea of doing the action features and it was possibly too late to add action features to night vulture so he got relegated to air commandos so at least that's my my take my summation look they're great figure sculpts all round as with most things in the 90s, they're unfortunately coloured, but yeah. the details on SkyMate are top-notch. This guy's been with me for, well, pretty much my entire collection's lifespan, mm. and he's a fantastically moulded figure. I lost both of his accessories immediately because someone had the bright idea of making his accessories attached to the figure. So you think that, <laughs> yeah, sure, I can put him on the glider with this compound bow attached to his chest via a little thin peg. And his pink boomerang slipped into mm. the side holster and then throw the thing through the air. Forget about it. So that stuff disappeared immediately and broke off his little post. <laughs> But yeah, we were different kids, man. I never threw him with his stuff on him. <laughs> never. But I did yeah. break his visor because of it. That was the one thing. Like, I tried to take it off, and then I broke it. So. Whatever, yeah. Paul. My Skymate is still in my collection. Where's yours? Ha, ha, ha. Mine became... Mine, mine became a custom figure. <laughs> like, they all did. <laughs> and that's where his story yeah. ended. Anyways, gents. <laughs> thanks for playing. The outcome... I never could have anticipated, but that's the beauty of this game. And hopefully it's shone some new lights onto the Mega Marines, the DEF, and the Air Commanders. Mm-hmm. 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 I'd say it's been a successful record. I'll never look at DEF the same way again, is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, man. Kitten fists. They got their hands caught in the cookie jar. I mean, they're supposed to be the drug elimination force. <laughs> you can't eliminate what you can't understand. Well, it's it's a night that those boys will never forget. She's been writing their vow <laughs> cards, Robert. Young yeah, <laughs> Break free. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll uh, save all that, that G.I. Joe conspiracy stuff for later. This has been a, a robust proceeding. It was a motherfucking inside job. You're, you're not mutt. You are the head man. Because... Oh, they were never shit. seen at the same time, the same place. That's true. Oh, wow. And they both have animal companions. That's pretty deep. And that talking dog. Inside talking dog. I wish I would have had like another 24 hours to iron out the kinks in that thing, but... Oh, not you too. <laughs> well, Come on, guys. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like a work of art. I, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm yeah, pleased with the This is Joberg, too. brother. This is Joberg. You don't understand this stage. Not yet. You don't get it, Steven. You don't understand, Joe. I want damn Mega Marines, man. (laughs) At the end of the day, and and this is just my personal enjoyment from an exercise like this, is the story as written on the page is only like 50% of the narrative. The rest has to come from our individual deliberations. So, like, if, if you find that you as the narrator are talking too much... You did it wrong, man. Shit. I didn't talk at all, so that means I got the most right. You got it right. (laughs) The guy that escaped in your scenario, Stephen, was he sailing off into a sunset? What time of night was that? It's probably just before dawn, actually. Ooh. Hmm. 
The cool thing about this thermal is that it was active day or night. Most thermals you'll only catch during the day. And also, when you are flying a glider, you read the terrain insofar as you see where birds are rising or where smoke is rising uh, or cloud formations. That's how you determine where the next thermal would be. But, uh, as I say, this thermal is caused by two ocean currents converging. And that was how the uh, glider teams were able to make their distance. Wow. Various options would have had the team break up into smaller groups because they get entangled in, in various range-reducing activities like air-to-air combat. For instance, if you had Air Devil lead the charge, uh, he would have opened fire while you were still just clearing the DMZ, which would have then yes. thrown up thrown up uh, spotlights and ack-ack fire and uh, mm. trimmed down the the field a little bit. Only a few a few a, a few in number would have reached the bunker intact. But I'm glad things turned out the way they did. It was a victory for Cobra. Yeah. Cobra! Tales from the dark side. Nice. <laughs> Gents, I've had fun. Hopefully you've had fun. And our listeners out there, hopefully you guys have had fun. I'll be back in full voice <laughs> for episode 94. But... Uh, this is G.I. Joburg Steve signing out from Singapore. It's now 5.30, 5.30 in the morning. I think I'm going to switch off the lights and head back to bed for some beauty sleep with my missus. Oh. Nice. Nice, nice. I'm, this is cool, Cape Town Rob, and uh, it's 11.30 p.m. here in, in Cape Town. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch my lights off and also go to sleep so I can have a cool day at the shop tomorrow. Signing off. West Coast Cujo. Damn it, I had something clever, but it left me. Yeah. Uh, signing off. Uh, I hope everybody's uh, enjoying their Sunday or whenever you might hear this. Cheers. And this is uh, Paul and Joburg. I'm going to go and sit with my lovely lady and work on some model kits with her and show her the art of the airbrushing, maybe just now, because she's building a pretty nifty TIE fighter. TIE interceptor, actually. TIE interceptor, yeah. Please yeah. get it right. Yeah, please get it. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Night, dudes. And, uh, yeah, rock and roll, G.I. Joburg listeners. We love you, and we love your comments. So keep them coming. Mm. Peace. Peace. Channel.